It didn't take long for the Qatar World Cup to produce the first upset, but barely would anyone expect it to happen between Argentina and Saudi Arabia. On the same day, Australia had the chance to do the same, but France proved it didn't win the World Cup title four years ago out of pure luck. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. Hey, so I literally couldn't believe my eyes when I was watching Saudi Arabia score two goals in less than six minutes. You know, for the two-to-one <laughs> win over Argentina, that was crazy. Yeah, that was. It's like kind of the opposite of what we were saying about the the England game, where、mm-hmm. they kind of struggled all along, and we thought they'd do poorly. Argentina riding high off Copa America, riding high off the finalissimo. Talking about how this is Lionel Messi's last last stand. In that first half, you had the penalty from Messi, and the way the crowd reacted was、mm-hmm. just like, okay, that was expected. Fair enough. Then you had two or three offsides. You had at least two、um, goals that were ruled out, and there really was this feeling that in the second half, it was just like inevitable they were going to come back and get it, and. Instead, Saudi Arabia just seemed to, I think, have the same feeling that I. They played as if they assumed Argentina were just going to win. So okay, we'll just start on the break, give it their, give it our all, hit them as hard as we can, and both goals were fantastic. That the first one,、um, I, I believe,、uh, Al Sherry,、mm-hmm. he was basically just a step faster. Than、uh, Christian Romero got it under his leg. It went past Martinez at a really sharp angle, and then that second goal, but goal by Al、uh, Dawasari might be the goal of the tournament so far. I've never heard of this player before in my entire life, and the way he took it, took the ball, created space, curled it in past at least two or three of the Argentina backline. Was absolutely sensational. Like they were playing as if there was no pressure on them whatsoever, because they were just assuming, I guess, Argentina would bring it back. So then, when they got went two two one up, and you saw Argentina get nervous, get testy, but not only that, they were like so, so like weak on the ball, I guess,、mm-hmm. because the thing with the first goal is, yes.、Um, Al Sherry was a step ahead, but the thing that was clear later on is it wasn't. They were just a step ahead. They were willing to kind of bully the Argentina players off the ball. Yeah, you know there was a lot of fouls in that first half, but in the second half it was more physical football.、Mm-hmm. They kind of realised that if they took the game to Argentina, they didn't really have any answers. And as time went on, they just seemed more and more desperate. While Saudi Arabia just grew and grew into it,、um, their keeper,、um, I believe that's Alois. I、mm. don't really know if that's if how it's pronounced. Had that fantastic save late on against Argentina that kept them in the game. Yeah, and every stop they had on the goal line or in the box, they celebrated as if it was a goal itself. It was such an inspiring performance and. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but you know, I don't think I've seen any of these players before. Besides, for if they were competing in the Russia World Cup, they all play in their domestic league.、Mm-hmm. Um, this really felt like 
you know, just a team of have-a-go heroes coming out and upsetting the team who were basically, if not the favourites to win, the favourites to go far because they have this massive narrative around them about Lionel Messi and his final tournament. It was a really a fantastic performance, fantastic result. I know Saudi Arabia took today as a national holiday mm. and they absolutely deserve it. If they get nothing else, this will be like the game this tournament is remembered for. This will be a game that gets referenced decades to come as one of the biggest upsets, if not the biggest upset in World Cup history. Yeah, I think it has every good reason to be so. Uh, before the World Cup happened, there were reports I read. They say there's a hidden risk for Argentina that the uh, absence of Giovanni Losaslo Lo in the middle field mm. may, co- may cost them, say, the lack of control in the middle field. And I saw that's what happened last night. Because, like you said, Saudi Arabia were, all, were always able to bully the ball. They were always to surround Argentinian players. And they kept stealing the ball away from Messi, from others. That's how they could always press so hard. And when mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia began to move back, they were like, "Okay, we're now in the leading. You can all, you can attack all you want." Then Argentina find that even if they move back, they still didn't really let them go easily through the middle field. They still trying to attack everyone, and Argentina had no one to control by in the field except they can have Messi do it. But Messi at this age, he can yes, he can make yeah. their pace, but he can't just sprint from the middle field to the box like he used to. He's all too old for that. Except that there are two, always two players marking him. So I think this like I know I couldn't say that I predict this to happen before the World Cup happened. I couldn't say that, but this kind is a little bit reasonable for the uh, squad yeah. of Argentina half. Yeah, because like the way I was anticipating this to go is. Messi is the other side of the hill. Di Maria is the other side of the hill. But the younger players, uh, Lautaro Martinez, Christian Romero, I was expecting them to be very physical and kind of bully the opponents so that they have the space and the time to do the things they're supposed to do. You know, you mentioned no Lo Celso. Mm-hmm. The thing which I was thinking as well is no Aguero this time. Yeah. And Aguero is just like a real direct number nine goal scorer, mm-hmm. which they don't have next to Messi this time. So, you know, the the team that should have won for Argentina was beaten by Germany in the final last time out True. in 2014. The team that should have protected the star players who were still here simply failed in their duty. They re- they really did. They were completely run over by Saudi Arabia, and that should not be happening to players of this stature. Yeah, like uh, we said a few days ago when we say, and like a lot of others say, this is the most united Argentine team, but maybe not the most mm-hmm. talented. Perhaps when they were trailing last night, what they really need and missed is a little bit of talent, which should have come yeah. from Aguero, but he has retired. So there's no way they can undo that. And I don't think there's anyone they can find to replace anyone in the field to make them more talented. Right, yeah. I mean, the... Aguero retirement was meant to lose space for Lautaro, Lautaro Martinez, mm. and instead he was just invisible all game. Yeah, and when I was watching the highlights of the uh, France and Australia game, when I saw that Australia score first, I was like, okay, this is the reigning champions. Lost a lot of key players before the World Cup. There was already Saudi Arabia upsetting a title contender. 
is this going to happen to France? Are they going to lose their first game? And then um, Giroud, Mbappe, Griezmann, and Labiel, they say, no, we have the dignity of the defending champions. We're going to safeguard it. And they did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's one of those things where you can see the weaknesses, I guess, because mm -hmm. that first goal is that first goal is just a case of just hitting them hard on the counter. And in Australia's credit, there were several of those attempts. And on a different night, different day, different stadium, more than one go in. You know, if they were slightly more clinical in front of the ball, had someone more than Craig Goodwin on the left, I think they could have done some real damage here. As for going the other way, there's simply too much quality in this team to deny for 90 minutes. You need to be constantly pressuring them, not just hitting them on a counter, hitting them on the break, constantly fighting back. Otherwise, you do end up in situations like this where, you know, Rabio's first goal was from Teo Hernandez playing it in. Giroud's goal was from Rabio keeping it alive. You have so much talent on this team that... You, you can't just let them have this this time and space. Um, they lost... Um, who did they lose at, at the start? Uh, Luca oh, Hernandez. Luca Hernandez. Yeah, yeah, this is Luca Hernandez. Yeah. So he, that's another one to their injured list, which already has Pogba, already has Benzema. So I feel like this team is full of talent, but it's, you know, the very first game of the tournament, they're losing players. Um, and as well as that, a thing which is impossible not to look at is how is Griezmann getting along with everyone? Mm -hmm. And I noticed that he's not credited with any of the assists. He didn't get a goal. Maybe I'm just playing too much into the narrative here, but there were so many stories coming into this, be it Mbappe refusing the image rights, Griezmann thinking he's the star of the team, Pogba with the witch doctor, Benzema and his court case with Matthew Valbuena. Like, I'm just assuming at some point this team will implode. Mm -hmm. But if they keep playing like this, I think they'll do all right, at least until the knockouts. Yeah. Because, like like I say, the, the front three, four-ish that they had with Mbappe, Giroud, uh, Usman Dembele, and then Griezmann slightly behind... It's so threatening every single time that you basically anytime they get the ball and they're moving forward, you just assume they're going to do something important with it. Mm -hmm. um, since you mentioned Griezmann, I'm thinking that I, I know the, all of the four goals, uh, none of them were related to him directly. But actually, when uh, Rabiot scored that goal, it was Griezmann who pressured the ball handler of Australia and then there was a seal, there was mm -hmm. everything that had been the following. Also, Mbappe was, he scored one goal, he got one assist, but I think he didn't really outperform Giroud in this game because Giroud as France starting uh, center last time, he didn't score anything and he was only two yeah. goals away from uh, the uh, national team record Henry. Now he matched it with two goals. Dembele, who was also not, uh, ha who didn't really have the best reputation in the club, worked so hard. It was like maybe most of the French team abandoned certain ball possession, and then Dembele was okay. Let's try one more time. Let's try work harder, and then they got the ball. They got a chance back. So this whole French team, 
there's a chance. I totally agree. May, they may implode, but since everyone now who are kind of infamous, maybe a strong word, but kind of have pr- trouble with their names, now really work hard and show the desire to win together, to win as a united、mm-hmm. squad. That's a very good sign, I think, for them. Yeah, that, that that's that's very true. And another thing that I think is a good sign is. Giroud has basically stepped directly into the Benzema role、mm-hmm. because, as a mid-thirties striker who kind of can't really track back, who is very reliant on finding the right space, Benzema is the best in the world at doing that right now. I'd say he's more mobile than Giroud, and that's basically the thing that led him to having the Ballon d'Or. But the way Giroud found the space for both of his goals was absolutely impeccable. I think they. The, the the fear of not having a Ballon d'Or winner, I think, has been completely lost by having Giroud right there.、Mm-hmm. And the other the other two games of the two groups, they were all ending with the zero zero draws, which actually brought me back of how the World Cup should play. Because apparently, I've watched so many goals in these three days. Now I almost forgot. Okay, it's the World Cup. There were always zero to zero. And especially in the case of these certain teams, like. The the only thing that I really want to highlight from these two games is you have Lewandowski who broke Gerd Müller's single season record for Bayern, was basically cheated out of the Ballon d'Or during the pandemic season,、mm-hmm. is for my money one of if not the best number nine in the world, has been for a few years. If not right now, he's like number two at most behind.、Um, Erling Haaland, and he is so bad for his national team. Yeah, I cannot figure it out. It's like he scores all his goals in the qualifiers or in friendlies. Then it comes to something like this, and he just misfires all the time. And I can understand the national team doesn't have the chemistry, doesn't have the talent of a, a Borussia Dortmund, a Bayern Munich, even the modern day Barcelona. But still, when the ball gets passed up to him by Zielinski or Zemanski, goes right through the middle, even crossed in by Zalewski, which happened a few times. He just either skies it or misses misses his footing, and then when he gets that penalty, you could see the look in his face of like, "Okay, now is my time to get on the score sheet." And on my feed. It had his last thirteen penalties, which were taken for the national team. Scored twelve, missed one, and he sent it to the exact spot where it got saved last time, and it got saved this time as well、mm-hmm. by Guillermo Ochoa, who is one of those players. And I was talking to some friends about this. You never ever see him besides for at World Cups because、exactly. he plays in Liga MX. Yeah, so he is basically like a World Cup specialist goalkeeper. And he lived up to it again. He has a really, just ridiculous moment. Like I don't know what's going on with Lewandowski, but if this is going to be his last World Cup, it's his legacy for the national team has got to be one of the worst of all time. Yeah, you know there are always players who are so fantastic in the club and then totally disappear in the national team, and vice versa. There are players who. Always score in the national team, but when in the club they were like、eh, like a blue collar guy. I think Lewandowski belonged to the former. So yeah, it's, has, it's, he's like yeah. the he's the complete opposite of Miroslav Klose. Exactly. So、um, these 
two groups. I think the teams uh, finally will make out of them will meet each other in the round of 16. France with this uh, big win over Australia, they're very likely to meet will be the number one of this group. That means if mm-hmm. Argentina um, pick themselves back together and maybe win the following two games and finally make it out of the sec- the, that group as the second, they will meet France. So this loss, this yeah. upsetting, uh, maybe, just maybe decided everything at the beginning. Yeah, that, that's, that has definitely become the narrative right now, I think. Mm-hmm. And because the, because the thing is as well is because so much of the discussion was um, Messi reaching the final, mm. Messi facing Ronaldo at some point, it's always been like everyone has thought so far ahead that no one can really contemplate the very possible possibility that he doesn't get out of the group. Or if Messi does get out of the group with Argentina, they face France and in this condition get absolutely walked over. It's a brand new wrinkle to this storyline, which I don't think anybody even considered would happen. That's true. I mean, I, it all changed from last night because after that game, I literally saw Lionel mess as a tag on Twitter. Those trollers yeah. moved really fast. So tonight, Germany are playing Japan and Croatia are playing Morocco. Usually I would say Croatia and Germany would win, but after what happened last night and this morning, I don't know for sure now. Yeah, it really feels like anything could happen. I think the potential for upsets, though, come later on because you have Spain against Costa Rica and Spain are a fantastic team that just doesn't... like. It's basically a fantastic team where it's like a goalkeeper and 10 midfielders Mm -hmm. and goals are so hard to come by that you could easily see Costa Rica, who have a history of upsets, nicking a goal here or somewhere else. And then you have... Belgium versus Canada. Belgium are the significantly better team. However, they are on the far end of their golden generation era. Yeah. While Canada are just playing with, you know, they've got a free hit basically because they're hosting next time around. Mm -hmm. So they're back in the tournament after I forget how many decades. Very long. And they're just going to go. Yeah, they just go out there and have Alfonso Davies just play his heart out, try his best and see what happens. So I'm not going to predict an upset, but if there was one going to happen, I wouldn't be surprised if it takes place in those games. As for Germany and Japan, I have to assume Hansi Flick will have that team under complete discipline Mm -hmm. based on what I saw from him at Bayern Munich. Yeah. Morocco versus Croatia, I have I have no real idea. Croatia are probably the favourites because they were in the finals last time. Mm-hmm. But Morocco have Hakim Ziyech back yeah. and will be looking to make some kind of an impact. Either way, I suspect we will not have any boring nil-nils like we got last night with Denmark and Tunisia. Yeah, I don't think we will have that. And I think so much for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys tomorrow. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.